Yeah, now you can stand. Let's let's read let's read a passage of scripture together. Oh, I guess I would help if I turn this on. Ah. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith. And I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed but to those who have faith and are saved. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the grace and the life that flow through your word. I pray that you would help us to receive what we need for our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> faith, uh, there's a lot of confusion around faith, and I, and, and I, and I feel like I, I have an obligation almost as much to clear up confusion as to, um, as to reinforce what faith actually is, but we're going to do both this morning. Um, until the 70s, faith was a, was a pretty uncomplicated thing. A person of faith was a person who, uh, who gathered regularly, with other believers to worship God. It was a person who, uh, um, who read their Bible daily. It was a person who prayed daily. Uh, it was a person who tithed, a person who testified, who felt like it was part of their obligation to, to tell people about Jesus and to tell people what God has done in their lives. It was a, a person who, uh, um, who considered God and what his will would be for every area of their lives. Now, nobody batted a thousand, okay? So uh, there was a lot of imperfect people of faith out there, and me being one of them. But it was a simple concept. That was basically what it was. Uh, and then in the 70s, what I, what I call the hyper-faith movement uh, invaded Christianity, and faith became, faith became something that, that the believer used to get things became something that the believer used to make something happen that they wanted to, to, have, to have happen. Uh, and faith became joined at the hip with, uh, you know, with what we say, and, and people were encouraged to speak things into existence. And Look, I, I'm, a, I'm a positive person. I'm, a, I'm, I'm an optimistic person. I've always been that, sometimes to the despair of those around me. But, uh, but I, that, that's definitely what I am. So I, I'm good with speaking positively, and, I, and, and I'm good with that. However, that's not really what faith is about. In fact, I, I think to some degree it was kind of a, uh, the fulfillment or uh, a latter day, uh, hopefully, fulfillment of Paul's writing to Timothy when he said, the time's going to come when people won't put up with sound doctrine anymore. Instead, they're going to gather teachers around them to say what they want to hear, to, 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 say, to say something that gives them permission to do the things that they want to do. Say what their itching ears want to hear. And boy, that's, a, that's a, a, an image that kind of sticks with you, itching ears. The great shield of faith 
became a weapon to be used to defeat the enemy uh, or a magic incantation to, uh, to say so that you can overcome the world and amaze ourselves and others around us. And, and this, this new teaching, and make no mistake, it, 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 it has some roots historically, but not in Orthodox Christianity. This, this new teaching uh, proved to be enticingly popular, but it began to erode the fundamental foundations of the life of biblical faith. Doing the right thing for the wrong reasons begins to rot things from the inside out. Uh, yes, I, I, I know that that, that that teaching maybe brought people into the faith, maybe, maybe got people into reading their Bibles more, maybe got people into, I, I guess you'd call it praying more and, and, and everything, but when you're doing the right things for the wrong reasons, things begin to erode on the inside and you, and you don't really really see it. The most dangerous deceptions are those that contain the most truth. Let me just say that again. The most dangerous deceptions are those that contain the most truth because if there's only a little bit of truth and a lot of lies, most everybody can smell that. You don't have to be a bloodhound to get that one. You know, but when it's got a lot of truth in it and there's just a you know, few, few little lies sprinkled in, it can get, it can get serious. Okay, now, understand, I'm not saying that miracles don't happen, that we shouldn't uh, ask God for things or believe for things. Can faith move mountains? Yes, absolutely. Faith can move mountains, both literal and metaphorical. And the metaphorical ones are more important than the literal ones. How, how many of you have ever had a time in your life when there was a literal mountain that you went, oh God, that's got to move. Probably no one. And yet, everyone can identify with when I was sick, when I was broke, when I was hurting, when that relationship was all torn apart. That's a mountain. That's a metaphorical mountain, but that's a mountain that needed moving. And faith, faith can do that. Can faith heal? Yes. Yes, faith, faith can heal. Absolutely. In fact, you know, that can even be proven scientifically. Not that science should, should take precedent over faith. Not that science should trump faith, but it can even be proven there because even if it, we're not talking about faith in God, you know, if they give you a pill and it's a sugar pill, but they say this will heal you, a lot of people will get better because they think it'll heal them. Now, put, connect that to the faith of the, you know, in the living God, and yeah, faith can absolutely heal. No question about it. Can faith see miracles? Yes. In fact, you can't see miracles without faith. When we, were, when we had a home Bible group in, in Zimbabwe, uh, there was a couple that uh, came there, Henry, Henry and Jill... Can't remember their last name. I just know that they spelled Jill with a G, and it, it looked funny. Uh, and, and Henry was a banker, and he. Uh, I remember one. I'll never forget. I mean, for some reason, this totally stuck with me. I remember one night in in the group, he said, "You know, I just just out of the blue, he said, I don't I don't get it. Everybody says God 
did this for me, and God did that for me. And I said, I don't ever see God do anything for me. We went, Whoa, wait a minute, Henry. Because Henry was a believer, sweet man. And I went, uh, have you ever had this? Yeah. Well, have you ever had this? Yeah. Did, did this ever? Yeah. Yeah. You don't think that was God? Well, I just never thought about that. No, you have, to have, you have to have faith to actually see uh, miracles take place. Uh, but they do. They do. But does God want to move every mountain in my life? No. Uh, every mountain that I want moved? I mean, I want every mountain that makes me uncomfortable and that is causing me aggravation gone. And sometimes, you know, God goes, okay, gone. But as often as not, God goes, uh, no, let's, let's deal with that for a little while. Let's see what we can do. I had somebody come up to me afterwards and uh, after the first service, and they were saying, you know, I was thinking about what you said, and the Bible says that sometimes we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, if there are no mountains, there can't be any valleys. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. I thought, you know what? Most of the food that you eat won't grow on a mountain. It'll only grow in the valley. If you want some fruitfulness to happen. And so sometimes God goes, no, nah, we need that mountain for a while. We'll, we'll leave that one there. And, and sometimes you got some believers over here who want that mountain moved, and you've got some believers over here who don't want that mountain moved, and then you've got a faith off. <laughs> Who's got the most pull with God? You know, on this one. Is everyone healed? Every time, as long as they have enough faith? No. No, simply not. Uh, if, if, if they were, I mean, you know, Earth's population would be a lot more than 8 billion at this point in time. Uh, if, if they were, there was a, and you know, and I, I know that the intentions are good. I'm not, I'm not slamming anybody. I really am not. But um, there was a, a gal in the church, and I mentioned her a few times, she passed about 15 years ago or so, named Kathy Manzer. And Kathy went through more stuff physically than anybody I have ever known. She was born blind. God healed her. She could see. She, she had cancer. She had diabetes. She had several other things that they didn't even have names for. And, and she was at death's door on numerous occasions, uh, and I've walked with her through a lot of that. But our, the last few times she was in the hospital, <sighs> you know, she would have these friends who would come to her and basically go, Kathy, if you had enough faith, you could get out of that bed and walk right now. And I just wanted to smack them. I mean, not, they meant well. They meant well. But Paul says, when he's writing to the Corinthians, he says, he, he, he talks about all these troubles that he's had and all these things. That, and he said, God has comforted us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort you with the comfort that we have received. And I'm going, where's that comfort? You know, that's just rain, people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, you know, yes, faith can see miracles, and I believe in miracles, but I think there's some questions that we need to that, that we need to address, first of all, you know, why do we want to see a miracle? Is it because I have a need? If it's because I have a need, that's totally legit. Now, I don't always know, 
you know, what needs are a miracle potential and which ones aren't, you know. Uh, if you're out in the middle of the, of, of, of the lake and you don't have any better sense than to do that, and, uh, and, and, and a big storm comes up, and you're going, God, help, save me. Okay, you know, I, I get it. I, I understand, you know, the peace, be still. You know, that sounds like one that's needed. But, you know, if you're throwing a party and you run out of wine, what you doing serving wine anyway at your party, right? Okay, that's, that's what, what some would say. Uh, yet Jesus considered that one to be, you know, one that, that needed to be attended to. So, I mean, you know, that's kind, of, that's kind of in God's hands. But, you know, sometimes I get... Sometimes I get a sense that we want to see a miracle because, dadgum, those things are entertaining. You know, life just kind of got boring, and they're, they're really fun. So God, do another one for us. Let's see another trick. And sometimes I think it's because, and, and God will respond to this sometimes, but sometimes I think it's because I need more proof that God's really there. So let me ask you this. Who has more faith? The person who, who believes for and gets their miracle? Or the person who believes for and doesn't get their miracle, but still believes in the love and grace and power of Almighty God, their Father? Hebrews 11.1, 1, we, we read it, says this, Now faith is confidence of what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. Biblical faith is specifically defined in Scripture uh, by hope and by the invisible. It's specifically defined by what we hope for, and it's specifically defined by what we, what we can't see. And the Bible talks frequently about, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily talk about faith. I mean, there's an occasion or two, once or twice, where you know it talks about somebody you know, reaching out and getting something. But what it, what it really emphasizes is, is living by faith, something called live by faith. Four times in the New Testament, it specifically uses that phrase. And, uh, and each time, it's a quotation from the prophet Habakkuk, uh, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 4. And the context for that, uh, for that prophecy is Habakkuk's complaining. Habakkuk's going, God... You know, I, I, I'm looking around here and, and, and all the injustice that I see and all the, the success that the enemy is having and the bad people get the good stuff and the good people get the bad stuff and, and I'm just sick of it. God, where are you? And the Lord's reply is, chill. Chill, Habakkuk. Don't you understand that the ones you're complaining about, these, these enemies and everything, they're not in right standing with me. They're in, they're in deep trouble. But the one who understands that and is in right standing with me, that's someone who lives by faith. Not by what they see going on around them. And the word that's usually translated faith in that passage can just as easily be translated faithfulness. My righteous people will live by their faithfulness. Remember what I said faith used to be back before the, the 70s? It was the person who got together regularly with the saints to worship, read their Bible daily, prayed daily, tithed, testified, sought God's will for their life. That was, that was what that was about. The Message Bible translates it 
this way. But the person in right standing before God, through loyal and steady believing, there's another word for faith. No, that's four words. It's fully alive. Really alive. That, that's when life really happens in our life. Uh, you say, well, okay, but, but wh what about the miracles? Uh, this guy's name is John Wimber. How many of you know who John Wimber is or have heard of John Wimber? Not many. Okay, I'm, I'm surprised. I thought a few more would. But uh, John Wimber uh, actually had two careers. His early career was in music. He was, a, he was a very gifted musician, and he probably is best known for playing with and uh, um, uh, managing a group called the Righteous Brothers back in, uh, back in the 60s and 70s. And um, you may not know who the Righteous Brothers are, but you know, oh, my love, my darling. I just wanted to do that. And so I got to, yeah. But his second career was he got radically saved. And uh, he got radically saved and he, and he started a church. He wasn't necessarily trying to start a church. He wasn't necessarily trying to start a movement. But uh, the church he started was the Vineyard, and it became a movement, a movement that was in large part based on signs and wonders. In fact, the I, I, uh, first time I really had any uh, knowledge of John Wimber, I heard him in an interview, and he was saying, yeah, you know, when I first got saved, I went to church, and, uh, you know, they had this service, and they sang, and they preached, and then they got up, and they were going home. They said, and I went, to the, I went up to one of the ushers, and I said, where, where's, where, where's the stuff? Yeah, uh, and he went, what? Well, where do they do the stuff? You know, the, the, the miracles and, and, and people getting healed and stuff. And he said, well, well, we don't really do that here. And he said, oh, man, I gave up drugs for this. Come on. <laughs> yeah, let's see some stuff. I like Wimber a lot. The guy was solid. Uh, even though... Even though he was a good man, and 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 uh, and I have no doubt that mainline Christianity, you know, needed a, a boot in the pants uh, to be aware of the the presence and activity and work of the Holy Spirit uh, in the life of the church. Uh, however, uh, an overemphasis on miracles and signs and wonders is, is, if anything, might even be more dangerous than being dead, because in the last days. That's, that's the thing Jesus warns about. It says false signs, false wonders. And, you know, they're going to come along, and if that's what you're looking for, there's going to be some prophets come through, and I've got it going on. But John Wimber uh, actually knew this because God taught him. See, the last 12 years of his life, he, uh, he had heart attacks. He had, he had cancer. He had uh, diabetes. He had strokes. Uh, finally went home to be with the Lord. And, uh, but he said this, and this is, this, is, this is great. He said, the temptation was there to withdraw from practicing Christ's commands. In other words, the temptation was there to just not pray for the sick. Just don't, just don't pray for, for, for miracles and things to happen. He said, that was a temptation. Or, or at the other extreme, to, uh, to drum up a false bravado. And, and to try and convince God to do what we thought He ought to do. 
I said, but we didn't do either one of those things. We, we weren't going to go with either one of them. You know? We're going to pray for the sick. We're going to pray for healing. And though he slay me, yeah, well, I trust him. I go, yeah, that's what faith is in my mind. So, well, but the Bible, in the, in the Bible, all, all full of miracles. Well, you know, sometimes we think of the Bible uh, as, as miracles just happening all the time. And, and there are miracles, but, but those are the exception rather than the rule to daily life. In the Old Testament, there were, there were three people who did 90% of the miracles. Moses, Elijah, Elisha. Those, those, were, the, those were the three. Now, there's some others, but they're... They, they were the big guns. Moses did more than anybody, but he didn't see one till he was 80 years old. And then it wasn't something that he asked for. It was the fact that he paid enough attention to go, that bush isn't burning up. What's up with that? Let's go over and check that thing out. And then after that, there was like a six-month period in his life where it was just, Katie bar the door. I mean... The, the, the plagues in Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, the water from the rock, the quail, the manna, the Mount Sinai, all, all that stuff. And then for the next 40 years of his life, he saw another half a dozen or so. Basically, if you, if you took that six-month period out of his life, he lived 120 years and he saw a miracle every, every 20, 30 years. The rest of the time, he walked by faith. Elijah uh, performed seven miracles in his lifetime. There were some biggies. I mean, you know, there was some, there was some heavy-duty stuff, but seven. I don't know how long he lived, but, you know, it wasn't like every day this is going on. There, he had to walk by faith for some time. And, and, and he even had to go through a, a few valleys, maybe even to the point of going, God, I'm the last one that's left. Just go ahead and take me out. And God goes, oh, shut up. You're not the last one who's left. Go, in fact, go. There's, I got a guy named Elisha. Go and anoint him. And Elisha got a double portion, so he did 14. Of course, one of them was after he was dead, but I, I think he probably knew about it. What's going on? Everybody else? Well, the book of Daniel's got three or four in it. Uh, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, uh, mentions three, basically. One of those took place. Uh, it was uh, because the Lord gave him the wisdom to know the medical procedure to, to heal King Hezekiah. All the prophets, all the poets, basically had none recorded. I, I'm not saying none happened in their lives, but none that the Holy Spirit saw worthy to, to put in the sacred text for us. Abraham, the father of those who have faith, probably really didn't see any, but you could say that he saw one when he was real old, his wife got pregnant. Well, that's a big deal, but when he was told it was going to happen, he started laughing. Now that's faith. Now, the New Testament, I mean, obviously the apostles did a lot of miracles, but even, even they had regular lives. During... I don't know if I did that, or, but it helped me. Yeah, even they had regular lives. Uh, they, they had Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays in their, in their week as well, just like 
just like we do. Jesus, of course, was the exception. But hey, three-year period out of a 33-year life is where, is where we get what's recorded of his miracles. We, we don't know if any of them happened during the other 30 years. He had Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays as well. And some people say, well, you know, John, Jesus said over, over in, uh, Jesus said over in John uh, uh, 14, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Yeah, it says works. Which is a greater work? Turning water into wine or going to the cross and laying down your life? Faith is more than miracles. Faith is more than prosperity. Faith is more than, than healing. Faith is more than what we have been led to believe it is. It's 24-7, 365. Boy, this is a boring Monday. Wow, the interstate sure is backed up today. Experience. You know, and, and, and it may be that, I mean, it would be great to be going, you know, boy, the interstate sure is backed up today, part. <laughs> but it may be that God goes, yeah, the interstate sure is backed up today, turn off the radio, I got something to say. Yeah. Ephesians 6.16 says, in addition to this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Faith doesn't keep the flaming arrows from coming, but it'll stop those suckers if you know how to use it. I mean, you know, it's, it's got to be, it, you got to have one frustrated devil who's trying to attack somebody who knows how to use a shield of faith in their life and use it properly. And few have ever faced the flaming arrows that Job faced, but... You know, John Wimber wasn't the first one to say, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Okay, quickly, Hebrews 11, the Faith Hall of Fame. If you hadn't read it, you need to read it. It's a, it's, it's a great chapter, and it kind of lists the heroes of faith, if you will. Uh, the first seven mentioned didn't see any miracles, at least none that the Bible recorded. Uh, you know, Noah, I guess you could say it was a miracle. He built a boat. He saw it was raining. It's raining now. And then, and then you get Moses and you, and you get Jericho. And yeah, there, that's, that's miracles. Yeah, stuff happening there. And then the next seven didn't really see any miracles either. And then, and then it goes on to add all the prophets. But this is what happened. Ver verses 33 through 35 tells us what happened. That they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, they shut the mouths of lions. They, they quenched the fury of the flames. They escaped the edge of the sword. Their weakness was, was turned into strength. They became powerful in battle. They routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. I don't know why men don't get that to happen, but, but, but well, I do too, because, well, never mind. I was going to say, you know, if, if, you, if, you want, if you want a strong church, get a bunch of women in it. It should be, if you have a bunch of men, you can have a strong church. And we got a bunch of men. But that's not, that's, that, that's the exception. 
rather than the rule. But anyway, I, that was a bunny trail. But I mean, that's some pretty, you want to fight some battles and win them? Those are some pretty good battles. Those are some pretty good victories right there. But you know what? That's not even the best stuff. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Because the promise isn't just simply about routing foreign armies and administering justice and bringing down kingdoms and seeing the dead raised to life. No, the, the promise is, is, is more than that. They didn't receive what had been promised because God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Oh, please listen to this. Together, together, together. It's not a matter of, well, I believe in Jesus. I just don't want to hang out with any Christians. Well, you're just a wuss. You know, go hang out with some Christians. Some of them are nasty people, and you need to, they need you, and, and you need to deal with them in, in your life. You just, you just want it too easy. Faith starts with the faith. And the faith is not just about me. The faith is about a community stretching back to Abel and going all the way into eternity beyond where we can possibly see right now. So Hebrews 12, 1, and I, you know, God didn't put those numbers there. This is a continuation. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You got things in your life that, that, are, that are hindering. You got sin that easily entangles. Maybe you need to have a greater awareness of the cloud of witnesses. Maybe you need to have a greater awareness of the place that you occupy in the kingdom of God. The sin that so easily entangles us and let us with perseverance run the race that is marked out before us. Perseverance. We, uh, we have this cultural disease that makes us feeble in perseverance. We want this, and we want that, and we want it now. And, we, and, and you know, hey, I've waited, I've waited three weeks, and I haven't been promoted in this job yet. And you know it's true. I know this food isn't good for me, but, you know, it'd take me a half an hour to cook some food. That's good, wasn't it? Yeah. And so we've got this, but if you, faith cannot be divorced from perseverance. They belong together. Is Chris Mincy still in here? Most of you know Chris, and, and, and there he is. Yeah. And Chris was 11. Yeah, give him a hand. Chris was 11. When I came here, they said he wasn't going to live to be 16. He's, he's an old man now. He's, he's 40. He's, he's over the hill. And almost every Sunday you see him down here being prayed for. For healing. It's perseverance. Perseverance. I don't know how many times I've prayed for his knee. You know? Well, I, I, I guess I just don't have enough faith or something because apparently it hasn't been healed yet. But, but you know what? He's got faith, so let's pray again. Let's do, let's do it again. Let's run with, run with perseverance. Well, how, how do we do that? It's easy. It's simple. 
we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. A little humility. Can, can somebody say humility? We get our eyes off ourselves. We get our eyes off of our surroundings and the things that we get our eyes off of comparing ourselves with somebody else and we put them on the author and the finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and then sat down at the right hand of God. We have no idea how great the promise actually is that he has for us. In fact, the scripture says, eyes not seen, ears not heard. It hasn't entered into the mind of mankind what God has prepared for those who love him. It says, consider him so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. We read it. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he's promised because he's coming. He is coming. He won't delay. He won't be late. It will be on time. And in the meantime, yeah, we'll, we'll get some miracles there. We'll get some miraculous healings. We'll get, we'll get, we'll get some. But live by faith. Persevere. 